Welcome to the Plastic Pleasing Store Podcast. We are your hosts, Trey the Explainer. And me, Miles Grab. A podcast about the natural world. Things that people claim are part of the natural world. And things that used to be. All right, Trey, we're back. It's episode 16, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's awesome. Yeah, we're just cracking out these Plastic Pleasing Store Podcasts for the people. That's right. That's what the people are hungry for. They're like, when is the next one? We we need more cryptid information. And other weird things, too. And other weird things, too. Yeah, no, it's not yeah. just cryptids. Not not just cryptids. In fact, today we have a story about a real thing that actually yes. happened. Yeah, a <laughs> recent discovery, too. Yep. Really cool yep. stuff. Yeah, some good stuff. Um, So stick around. What have you been up to, Trey? How you been doing, buddy? What are you working on? I've been doing good. I went to San Francisco on sort of like a, a little trip, a little business trip. I kind of used it as an excuse to to, to work on YouTube stuff because I went to like a museums and took a whole bunch of photos. I can. Uh, went to the Asian Art Museum. It's fantastic. Yeah. Really well, welcome, cool welcome to the West Coast. I'm glad. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Oh, it was nice. I like the West Coast. It's cool being over there. Yeah, did you see the? Did you go to Endor? We did. I, we did go to Endor. We went to Muir Woods. Yeah. Uh, and saw the the awesome redwood trees there. Those were fantastic there um i sent a picture of the trees to my grandma and I, I, it was just a photo of like me standing in front of the tree and she said she said they're so big and i said <laughs> yeah they're they're almost 600 years old or on average they're 600 years old and she goes would make a good table and i was like what <laughs> i could destroy thought? that tree for my own <laughs> uses it's <laughs> your first thought grandma like come on it's like, like some of these trees are like they were around when the Aztecs were around. What are you talking about, Grandma? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're 10% of the Earth's a- total age, right? Yeah. The, oh, yeah you almost <laughs> tried to trap me there. I almost got you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> almost 10% of the Earth's total age. This is a, a pretty commonly well-known trivia thing now, for people that don't know it. Um, when they were filming Return of the Jedi there, right? Um, and they had uh, Peter Molyneux was in his Chewbacca suit. Uh, Lucas was worried that people would think he was Bigfoot and, uh, you know, might snipe him down. So like, he had like keepers with him that walked around so nobody would shoot him. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that, that, um, that forest, particular forest. I don't know. I don't know if Muir Woods was used specifically in it, but it was part of like that sort of, uh, yeah, the, in that area. Most of the filming is up north a little bit from there, but it, it looks very similar. So. Yeah. The, in Walking with Dinosaurs, the uh, Time of the Titans uh, episode, they used Muir. Uh, I think they actually used Muir Woods specifically, which was really cool. They get like the fern foliage on the ground and just these really ancient, cool trees. It's such cool a beautiful stuff. ecosystem, isn't it? It just, oh, it just yeah. like has a power to it. It is gorgeous. It's it's like you can't you can't beat that. Like I don't have anything like that in the East Coast because no. we chopped them all down, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, we kept ours. I know you guys were good. Well, that, that's what they said. Is we were we had like a tour guide there, and they said that like some of them were lost during the California wildfire, right? Yeah. That sucks. All oh. the forests near my dad's house all burned down. That they sucks. they weren't quite like that, you know. They weren't as tropic and not redwoods, but still old forests. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, fire's uh, bad sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. I guess it's part. Sometimes part of it is part of the natural ecosystem. But yeah, it, yeah, f- fires can cost. have fires can have positive effects on forest street, but yeah. fires are increased overall in California, right. um, lar- largely due to the drought that mm-hmm. could be attributed to climate change. So mm-hmm. you know, not that part's not as great. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, what have you been up to, man? Oh, I've been playing Elden Ring. Oh, sweet. Um, he's, a, he's a George R. R. Martin fan now, everybody. Oh, uh, sure. I don't. I have no idea what he did for the game. He did nothing for it. He he's just a, he's, slapped his name on it. Yeah, elite, <laughs> elite programmer, George R. R. Martin. Um, he, he allegedly helped out with the story, but I highly doubt that. Okay, I'll get to that in one second. But um, <laughs> so I never played like the Souls games before. It's totally new to me, you know. Um, but I don't know. This one seemed fun, and there's not that many PS5 games out really. So I was like, you know, something to do on my PS5, and I've been having a great time because, you know, I'm a '90s kid, and back when we grew up, our games used to hate us. You know, they would talk down to us. They wouldn't tell us anything. We'd lose. Like they were really like self-esteemed, like destructive devices. And this game's a lot like that. So it's very nostalgic for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the way that the plot is like told to you, it's like everybody knows who you are. And they're like, oh, hey, man, like, it's good that the, the, the Glen Kingdom has like you to fight for it because like there's the gloom rot and it's it's coming up so bad that the blood boil disease of 10 years ago is like totally destroying their gold exchange and it's good that you're here i'm like yeah hi um <laughs> like what what does that mean <laughs> like everybody talks to me like they know who i am and we've been running around but i don't know the plot i have no idea what i'm doing so far <laughs> i've been called maidenless um <laughs> i was cursed by some lady i, I fought land octopuses mm. um i fought a boatman he was oh. pretty cool uh, I fought a crab that had a shield and like four swords in his arms. <laughs> I, uh, there was a bird that had swords for legs, oh. but then he picked up like a barrel that blew up and killed me. <laughs> so I don't know what his plan is really. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going. I don't even want to think about it. Um, yeah, the game is crazy. It's a crazy game. Only play it if you uh, if you search for things that are mad. <laughs> I've seen some of the cre the creature designs. They look amazing. They look really cool. Just like yeah. completely wild designs. I, I killed this one king who was the grafted king. Oh, I've heard about him. I've yeah, so like him. like grafting is like a real word. You know, you can like graft skin or use grafting and and planting trees. Like you'll take one apple tree and you'll cut it, put another apple tree on top of it. That's grafting, right? But like, there's also like the fantasy horror concept of grafting which is like tying other creatures onto one creature and they like combine together somehow and become monstrous, you know, mm. like Frankenstein kind of shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so he's like this diminutive little King that you find after you beat him, you like, you see his dead body. He's like small, but when you find him, he's like a big giant muscle man. And like, <laughs> he has like nine arms, some of them just flailing off the back of him and you fight <laughs> him. And then spoiler, I guess, but whatever um, <laughs> you, you cut his arm off. And then he like grabs a dragon that was dead and like has a dragon neck and head for an arm. And then like oh, he will bite you with it and like breathe fire on you and swallow you. And uh, you know, it's a trip. <laughs> that is that's amazing right there. That's awesome. I, yeah. I saw some, I saw some. It's like it, the design is literally like a T Rex with like a dog's head. Oh, yeah. Oh. I fought that thing. <laughs> that I didn't. Cool. <laughs> that part is in a place where there's a giant like blood virus. Like all okay. over the ground, okay. and it's t and then you fight that thing, and then I fought a giant spinning head 
thing that was pushed on the ground. And I'm just like, I fucking hate this place. Like, <laughs> it's the worst place in the world. I'd rather hang out with the girl who called me maidenless than deal with this. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, I should play it. That's that's great. Yeah, it's it's hard. Um, hard game, mean game, confusing game, uh, great game. Does it have a plot? Like, is there a story to it? Oh, there is. I okay. just don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've heard from most people is that it's like, I don't really know what's it. It's more like about the fighting and like the mechanics of the game and playing it. There's definitely a plot. Everyone else knows what it is. Like everyone else in the world is very concerned about it. Like they insult me like I'm part of some fraction or I have some cause, you know, like like it's political discourse on Twitter. Like they have like memes ready to throw at me. I'm like, I don't know whose side I'm on. Man. I really just don't know. Because I'm a tarnished, apparently. I don't know what that means. OK. A tarnished. Yeah. yeah. And people are like, oh, tarnished. You know, it's just it's just like your kind to do this. And then I, I met this guy who has like gladiator armor on, like high like the like high quality gladiator armor, but he also has a chest growing at like the left side of his no, he has a head growing at the left side of his chest. And then but he's like cradling it softly oh with his God. arm. And then he's telling me about I need to collect the gloom roth and it's my job to do it now. And I'm like, Yeah, man, yeah, all right. I'll <laughs> I'll do it. If you give me like a nice sword, I'll do it. But I don't I don't know. So yeah, I've been doing that. That's cool. Dang. But uh, anyway, um, we got some real things to talk about happening yeah, in the real yeah. world. So um, there was a recent discovery of um, of a time of exploration from the past. Yes. Um, yeah, there was this golden age of um, Antarctic exploration. And uh, this basically started in the 1900s, um, late um, 1800s, right? Mm. So there's obviously getting to the bottom part of the Earth, even though it's a spear, or just it's the bottom part, right? It, <laughs> what we now know is the South Pole. Um, yeah. it, there was posited for a long time in history, like if there was anything down there. You know, like you have like in the late 18th century, you have the, the Terra Australis hypothesis, you know, mm. that there was like a giant continent down there, which, yep. you know, kind of true ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they didn't think it was ice, ice town, though. Um, like they here, I'll show you a little map of it. I don't know. Yeah. Did they think it was like Hyperborean kind of stuff? Like what the Romans and Greeks thought? Yeah, they, they like actually drew a bunch of like, um, like natives having a good time, like. It doesn't look like a racist drawing. It looks like here's a bunch of cool native people doing cool native people stuff. Oh, nice. So yeah, I'll show you. Oh, there they are in the sites. Oh, yeah, they yeah. are pretty See, chill. They're, yeah, they're doing adventures, and it doesn't it doesn't look like a racist drawing. So that's yeah. nice. You know? I, like, I like how there's foliage and, and tropical plants, and there's also yeah. like a little penguin hanging out, too. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the penguin's like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, so there's lots of voyages down that area. Um, Captain Cook, who everybody loves, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he went down there, um, but he couldn't quite find, you know, the whole thing. But, like, they began slowly to find, like, islands off of it and everything and get close to it. The way most discoveries work, you know, um, yeah. like Columbus didn't find Ohio, right? Like, right. he found an island. So similar kind of setup to that. You, you can look at those in detail, but... 
Um, what's really important for the story that we're talking about was in um, 1911, the Norwegians were the first to really find the South Pole and plant their flag on it. And in European societies, that's what counts, you know? Yeah. N- no flag, no country. You got to... <laughs> You really got to plant a flag, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was uh, uh, Ronald uh, Amundsen. Amundsen. He's Norwegian, so I can mispronounce his name. It's okay. And, um, yeah, so him and four other men um, landed on the South Pole in December uh, 1911. They really didn't do that much scientific experimentation, but, you know, they made it there and planted their their flag there. So that was like um, a moon landing kind of event for the time period, right? Yeah. Um, because there was this kind of race among countries and explorers to find out what's at the South Pole, see what we could do there, do cool tricks, um, <laughs> like a kickflip or whatever. Um, so it was similar in some ways to the moon race in that respect, right? Isn't there like a photo of like somebody with like bagpipes playing them next to like a penguin on like that, That's an extremely famous photo, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's because the caption says the guy's name and then it says, says the guy and then a penguin and it says a penguin on the left, you know, so you can differentiate <laughs> between him and the penguin. Just to so, make yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Doing it. It's funny because like I, um, if you read a lot of like H.P. Lovecraft, um, like he was like obsessed with because he lived during this time period, so he was like obsessed with the the Antarctica and like the mystery of it. Like, what's yeah. down there? Is there a lost civilization in the mountains? Well, sure. It, I mean, you could definitely think that. It's fun to think that, right? Like, it's yeah. this big land where people don't go very much. I mean, it gets cut out of a lot of the adaptations, but and you know, the modern Prometheus Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. That's where the book starts. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, Dr. Frankenstein is there exploring. So, yeah. you know, like it, it's been a sci fi fantasy kind of trope for a long time. Because so. mm. it's like the mystery, like mysterious continent that like anything could be there. We just don't he, know. Yeah. And like even now, like, um, you know, people believe there's like a Nazi civilization there is a hypothesis. Oh, really? I don't know if I'd say it's even a pie hypothesis. Just a crazy fucking thing <laughs> that people say. <laughs> you know, I don't know if there's an exact term for that. Um, oh, yes, my hypothesis. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> people didn't like, no one wrote it down, you know. Some guy just said this. Um, and I, there's all kinds of new agey stuff, of course, mm. you know. And um, I think there's an ice wall there that hides the flat earth. Oh yeah, yeah. That's where the ice yeah, wall is. It's the, the ice wall, wall around around the the circle. I think I've said this on the podcast before, but if I thought there was an ice wall, I would go to that ice wall. I don't care. If <laughs> Climb I die. It. That's, that's a cool concept, like ice wall, like this giant impossible wall. Like try to climb it. That's cool. Yeah. Right I mean, all these these dudes who focus on like being like super masculine on their podcasts and want to get swole gains and all this stuff. Like, you want to be super macho, man? Go climb that ice wall, dude. <laughs> be, like, be the first person to plant the flag on the top of it. Like, not only would everybody think that you're a heck of badass, like, you know, you could learn things through science. So yeah. then the nerds will like you, too. <laughs> climb that ice wall, boys. <laughs> or or ladies. I'm sure ladies could climb the ice wall, too. I was just picturing, like, a bro guy doing it. <laughs> um. Anyway, enough about that. Okay. So it's our, our boy uh, Shackleton, right? He's our guy. He He's our guy we're going to follow here. Um, so in 1910, he had gone to some expeditions in the area and he's quoted as saying, we've made many interesting geological and scientific discoveries and many narrow escapes through the whole time. He, so he was going down there in this region, but 
he really wanted to be the first to um, do a cross and Arctic like trip, right? So like to navigate the whole thing. So you, you start on one side to walk across the other. Why? Because it's cool. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's scientific, you know, stuff that can be gained, but you know, it, it's just a test of man. The first guy to cross the thing. Yeah, you Plus, you brag know, about it. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Um, you can gain some things because you know, like they didn't have satellites, so they don't know what's out there. You know, mm. they don't know if there's a monster in the ice or a town or a tropic part or whatever. Mm. <laughs> I think they kind of knew no on those questions but you know you know you don't know what's out there yeah there was there was speculation that there was civilizations on that on antarctica i think sure. like at that time i don't think they ever found any evidence of one i don't think humans no. got there until around that time but yeah yeah um, thought so. yeah because we found inuit cultures you know that were doing pretty good in the ice on the other part of the world so right yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting and, that like um paleontology there is like some like antarctic paleontology which i think is like really nuts like there's like all it's only a couple it's limited because like the ice sheets cover so much of it yeah um yeah but there's but dinosaur yeah, bones pretty, in them dare hills yeah there's so. a crolophosaurus i think maybe it's like a, yeah. it has a weird uh elf uh, or elvis like um crest elvis like yeah. crest like hairdo so antarctic dinosaur right there it's cool elvisosaur <laughs> i think that was the idea is that they were going to name it that but they chose not to see this is where science fails us <laughs> 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 and embrace the memes. There's no there's no hope in defeating them. So so anyways, our boy Shackleton, he had this plan, right? And he was going to land on the north end and he was going to uh, take six men. He was going to leave from Vashel Bay and they were going to walk 800 miles to the Ross Sea. So oh it's God. not like directly down. He like he's making like a C shape. But apparently this still counts because they crossed the center. <laughs> I, I was talking to my roommate. I was like, man, if you were trying to be the coolest, you would start at the tippy top and go all the way across. But whatever. It's fine. They're going 800 miles through the thing. It counts, apparently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so then they have a second party that's going to go on the on the western side of the coast. Right. And they were going to dock and they were going to drop supplies off because, you know, you're going to run out of potatoes and pillows and, uh, you know, magazines <laughs> batteries for your game boy whatever it is people needed at the time they're going to run out of that stuff so they need supply depots right so mm -hmm. that's the plan two ships supply ship and walker guy ship um they purchased a 44 meter coal and steamship and it's called the polaris and it could house about 28 men uh, but they changed the name of the ship to the endurance because uh, our main man uh, shackleton here his family motto was uh by endurance we conquer which Sounds kind of cool, but I think it really depends on what or who is being conquered, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could see that going either way. <laughs> and, and, you know, they were British. It was the uh, early 1900s, so, you know, be, ca be careful with that one. <laughs> um, anyway, so they, um, they departed in 1914, right, in December, um, on December 5th, specifically, it's important to note something going on in this time period. Uh, Franz Ferdinand was shot um, in June of the same year. Oh, so yeah. So a uh, bad timing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bunch of Germans and Ottomans and all those kind of people um, getting ready to, you know, dig big trenches and shoot each other. So World War One was getting going. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this expedition was happening during all that. So that's for context. Um, when they started headed down there, um, the the Walker team, right, the the trekking team, uh, 
um, they noticed that there was a lot more ice pack than they predicted when they were getting close to the South Pole. And it was way further in than they predicted, too. They even had to stop a few times because of the ice. And one day they stopped and they were surrounded by ice for three straight days. Jeez. Yeah. Shackleton was quoted as saying is a dense pack with an obstinate character, which I liked because these <laughs> a people... character of ice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just like their vocabulary. Like, good job, yeah. guys. You know, obstinate carrier. I like yeah. that character. It's very and good. so so by the 15th of January, they were still about 200 miles out from the coast. So pretty oh, far. God. Yeah. Yeah. So um, three days later, they decided to try to push forward through this ice, but ended up surrounding themselves completely by the ice pack. Right. Like it was just all over. You you weren't seeing water. There was just ice and you and there was no moving. Um, they turned off the boilers and they decided they had to let the ship draft and drift in the ice because the boilers, you know, want to push the, fo- the ship forward off whatever, you know, it can push off of. And this just creates like pressure and it's dangerous for the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he's quoted as saying, where would the vagrant winds carry the ship? And they were it was drifted out some 60 miles from the shore. And then drifted them about 130 miles the opposite direction. So they were really not having a good time. <laughs> yeah, this sounds like a rough one. Um, and they were stuck, but there are still reports that the crew was keeping pretty good morale. They had a dude on the ship that was the banjo dude. And um, he still kept playing and they were dancing. And there were some birthdays and a couple holidays that happened. And, and they were still eating their rations for those days. So, you know, they were trying to keep it together the best they could. So good for the men. Yeah. Um, but come July... The ice, the ice was starting to pressure the ship, right? Because, because you know, if you leave a Coke in the freezer, what happens, right? It pops. Mm-hmm. So same thing with the ocean. You know, the, the ice, it, it starts to expand. And so the tightening around the ship happens. They said they could hear it creak and move. And the men started picturing that there were mighty giants below adjusting and hitting the ship. Because that's what it sounded like, you know. Wow. Um, the ship, however, stayed strong for quite a while. And the men were keeping the morale the best they could. Um and and they were quoted saying, uh, I would be sad if such a brave little craft would be crushed because, you know, they really started to fell in love for their ship and how it, it was sturdy. Mm. But in October, the ice has started to thaw and the ship was finally floating again. For the first time, it was floating on water, which is really what you want your ship to do. Right. Um, but but the ice came back pretty quickly. Okay. And by late October, yeah, so yeah, suck. Um, <laughs> and by late October, the ship had turned sideways, stuck in the ice. Oh, God. And its hull had started to fall finally, and their crew had to leave the ship. Mm. And and the crew had to leave all but with two pounds of the personal expenses. The captain ordered this. Um, they did make two exceptions, though. Um, banjo guy got to cape his banjo. <laughs> and uh, there was a film nerd there who got all his pictures and camera equipment. He got to keep that. Oh, nice. Yeah. And they had a bunch of dogs. Oh. Um, and one cat. One guy had a cat. Oh, okay. The, the, did the, the cat survive? Well, uh, uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> they established an ocean camp um, on, on November the 21st um, by the Endurance. And but sadly, the great ship at that point was starting to sink into the sea. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's pretty sad. Um, here's a quote from Shackleton on the experience. Um, she went down bow first, her stern raised in the air. She then gave one quick dive and the ice closed around her forever. It gave one a sinking sensation to see it, for mateless and useless as she was, she seemed she seemed to be a link with the outer world. Without her, our destitution more emphasized, our desolation more complete. The loss of the ship 
sent a slight wave of depression over the camp. Oh, God. So you can imagine these guys, you know, trying to keep up their morale, like trying to walk across a big ice thing so that people would think they're cool. And they're stuck out there and their ship is frozen and it gets stuck and it turns sideways, but it stays, you know, and they have to leave it. But they still like, hey, things are going to get better. Eventually, things are warm up. We'll get back on the ship. And then there she goes, you oh. know, like it's it's like the ship's almost like a symbol of civilization of their country to them. You know, right? Like, it's, it's all that separates them from from the icy, icy, cold environment. Yeah, because it's a home. But now there's just wilderness. Oh. Um. So the crew brought 67 dogs and cat and a cat. Uh, the cat was owned by the carpenter who eventually got in a fight with Shackleton because he refused to work. Um, but at uh, but this part point of our tale, a bunch of the dogs started to die, sadly. Oh. Um, yeah, they set up camp, um, but the ice pack started moving further up the coast. And so like they were camping on, you know, which which is like frozen ice, not land. Right. So just like when their ship got stuck, the ice started moving them up north. So like oh they're literally God. they're basically on a giant ice ship floating in the um, ocean um, to eventually they see Elephant Island come April. Mm. Um, elephant Island, by the way, is either named that because it has a bunch of elephant seals or because it looks like an elephant. Uh, I, I don't know for sure, but those are the things people say about it. <laughs> I, I don't know which one's true. And I'm not going to look it up. Um, so so on, on April 24th, Shackleton decided that they can't just sit here. And since they could finally see Elephant Island, he took five of his strongest dudes and some of their best lifeboats, uh, one of their best lifeboats, and he tried to reach um, South Georgia, which is an island that was used as a base for seals, seal hunting and stuff. Mm. Um, It was an 800 mile um, sojourn across the South Arctic Ocean in a lifeboat. Right. Damn. So that's like really not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like they didn't have that much food. They just had canned food, you know, and they like had to throw their sleeping bags and oars over because they got so ice frozen. They were basically worthless and just weighing them down. Oh, God. So, you know, not fun. Um, It took a week to land. But the day they finally got there, they were like in the bay. Um, It was so like jagged and icy on the side. There was nowhere to dock and they had to wait one more night out of the ocean. In the boat? Yep. They just oh, couldn't dock, God. so they didn't have a choice. They had to, like, sleep and wait till morning. Um, so, yeah. Uh, then they, they got out. Uh, two of the dudes were just not feeling it, not good. Feet not feeling good. And so they, they left them behind. And then the, the uh, Shackleton and two of his best guys, they walked 36 straight hours, like, over a glacier and a mountain. Oh, my God. Uh, yep. And then they made it to the little seal like establishment that was there, which he hadn't been to in a couple of years. So he didn't even really know if people were there or not. Um, they looked so haggard when they got there. They like a little kid was the first to see him. And like, he tried to be like, Oh, go get us help or whatever. And the kids just bailed. <laughs> they're like this guy, that's a Bigfoot looking guy, smelly, stinky. Um, but eventually um, they did get help. And the, um, there was a, a Chilean vessel that went back and found all the guys at the camp and actually rescued all of them. And they all made it out. Wow. All um, of them. Except for the dogs, oh, yeah. which, which were eaten oh. and, and the cat, which was shot. No, why was it shot? It was just, they had to put uh, it out of its misery. Well, they had to feed these animals, you know, it's like the dogs are eating too much meat. They, they didn't want to kill the dogs and they kept a lot of them alive for as long as they could. Yeah. Um, 
Shackleton was even said it was even quoted saying one of the most famous quotes from this is um, there was many men I have met that I would have preferred to have shot in over those dogs. Oh, so, damn. yeah, well, that's crazy. Has there so, been like a movie or, or something made out I, of this? this I actually amazing. don't know, but it's a pretty famous uh, survival story, you know, because yeah. like it's, it's pretty awesome. And so, you know, their their boat, their great boat is kind of like famous and it's sunk into the sea and. You know, it was never seen again, and no one ever found it. Until. Until. Oh, wait, Trey, you got breaking news in the story? I got breaking news. I got breaking news. Breaking news. I'm thinking about monkey news. Chimpanzee monkey news. Oh, chimpanzee that monkey news. This March, I think, yeah, this 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 month, there was a expedition team of, of marine archaeologists who they were called endurance 22 who set out to find the shipwreck of this of this boat in the in the uh arctic antarctic waters and uh after some some difficulty they used a lot of technologies they used a lot of drones used uh remote vehicles and stuff they eventually found the intact vessel of endurance wow under the water it's insane and like because and, and part of the reason why they're able to do that is um, they believe that it, the, there was a lack of ice sheets in this area, uh-huh. um, and it might have been due to climate change made it much easier to like survey in this area. Thanks, climate change. Thanks, climate change, you're up to good things. Bum, 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 down. <laughs> oh, the one good thing climate change has done. Yeah, it, it'll be good for parts of Canada. Yeah, you're right. We'll make it more more habitable, maybe. So maybe they're to blame. <laughs> Maybe they got something to benefit from it. I got my eye on you, Canucks. <laughs> Archaeologists gonna love it. They're gonna be like, "Oh, it's so much easier to do do uh, archaeological sites, paleontologists." Be like Antarctica, whole new job prospects there. Yeah, man. You know, <laughs> um, climate climate's changed on the Earth a lot of times. Um, the thing is, this one kind of worked good for us, and we kind of built our complex. Uh, economy around it so we kind of need it <laughs> For, fair warning we're not pro climate change everybody we're, not, <laughs> we're, we're just telling both sides we're just telling both sides of everything <laughs> just, just both sides you know come on everybody you gotta look at the benefit you gotta teach the controversy <laughs> anyways the yeah. endurance endurance because so the ship was incredibly extremely well preserved you can see some of the pictures of it online they took a little rov remote oh gosh i used to know what it was a little camera a little remote control vehicle camera examined the uh the ship and it's um it's super super well preserved because of the cold climate and because there's a, a lack of worms that consume uh wood in this area um so like the ship is pretty much like as it would it look like Back in back in nineteen nineteen fifteen, you said uh, that expedition started um, in nineteen fourteen. They got there around nineteen fifteen. So okay, so it's been underwater for like a hundred and seventeen years or one hundred and seven years, something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and the ship, it's like the all the paint is still on it, and you can still. This was like the big ta- like tagline for the, the headlines. It was like uh, the. Endurance, you can read the lettering, the gold lettering in the star on the wow. ship's uh, stern. Yeah, it, lo- it looks gorgeous. It's amazing. And like as an archaeologist, I'm like, wow, that's that's insane that this it looks this way after 
over a hundred years. It's, yeah, really cool. it's like a literal time capsule, you know? Right. And it's uh, apparently, so there's a treaty that prevents it from being disturbed. Um, it has to do with like Antarctic waters. You can't do uh, disturbance archaeology there or, or something along those lines. So it's like, oh, it would it would be cool if you could get a, like a, a, a ROV like inside and see like the objects that are still there and stuff. Oh, I see. There's some sea anemones hanging out on it. Yeah, there's a lot of like little sea creatures living Fucking in it. Tourists become the tourists. <laughs> <laughs> they're squatters. They're they're living there. You're like, get out of here. Get them out. They're like pigeons. All right, yeah, get them the hell out of here, will you please? Get them out of here. This uh, this ship it, it reminded me of something that I learned recently. Um, it's it has to do with the the Black Sea. The Black Sea is similar to Antarctic waters where. Um, wood is it, like, especially on ships, like preserves really, really well. So you'll get like really, really amazing, uh, shipwrecks, um, because like there's a lack, lack of oxygen in the black sea. Mm-hmm. So anything that falls down there, um, it won't really rot. It'll rot a little bit, but it'll, it'll preserve for a very long time. Um, and we actually have some of the best, like ancient, uh, shipwrecks there, um, like of like Roman and Greek era, like, uh, like triremes and stuff. Oh, awesome. Or not triremes, but like merchant ships. Yeah. I recently learned that. Um, so it's hard you know, to get a trireme down there. Yeah. How would you get like, that's the thing is so triremes are like, um, for people that don't know, triremes are like the, the Greek warships. I think you've probably seen them where they up there. They have like the painted holes with like the eyes and they're, uh, they have a big ram on the front of it. It's like a very sleek, like, like look to them. Yeah. Oh yeah. They look really cool. They're, they're amazing. They were like the, the like warf naval warfare, uh, vessel of the, of the age. And, and for a very long time for like thousands of like almost like a thousand years. Uh, and they were really cool and there were probably like hundreds and hundreds of them constructed. But to this day, we still have no surviving triremes, no like wrecks that yeah, we can look to. Um, all we have are like the metal rams of, uh, of them. I think only a couple of those too. Um, so it's crazy that almost all we know about them, about triremes, comes from like paintings and murals and uh, like historical descriptions. Uh, and and people have since been able to reconstruct what a trireme looks like. I think uh, the Olympia is mm-hmm. like a, is like a trireme that was reconstructed almost like to a T, and it's part of the Greek Navy. I think like technically, it's, it's owned by them. Um, yeah, so th- those are really cool and. Um, with hope there might be so those so the black sea shipwrecks um those aren't triremes but they're of like the same age they're more like yeah. merchant um and and some of those are so extremely well preserved they look like they fell like almost like just like a decade ago or something like that even though they're thousands of years to over two thousand years old with our ship the endurance here like the mast is still there right the, the, the endurance it's like that is insanely insanely well preserved like there's it looks no like that. it could be uh crewed by a the damned yeah, it looks like it looks like a almost like a it looks I guess it looks better than Davy Jones's ship in uh in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. <laughs> you are in one. <laughs> I love those movies. Those movies are great. Oh, I love that movie. That movie is All right, great. you're right. I don't like <laughs> <laughs> the first one untopped, but I I have a soft spot for uh Dead Men's Chest and what's at World's End. I got a soft spot for those two. Yeah, okay, sure. It might be. I might just be me, where I'm biased, where I like Davy Jones and like the the Fishman yeah. crew. Pouring into the abyss. Are you mad? Ah, you're afraid to get wet. 
Davy Jones looks cool. And the scene when what's his face is like slowly walking to the ship while it blows up. Oh, like, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, There's still good, good parts in those. But the thing was, Captain Jack is not supposed to be your protagonist. Right. Um, he's supposed to be a supporting character, but he was too popular, so they couldn't help it. And like, it doesn't work good as him being the main character. Yeah. And then like Elizabeth was good because she like had a little adventure in her. But, you know, she's like from high class society and stuff. Right. She's like a fish out of water. Hmm. But then they like make her so she could like do like six backflips and like cut a a ship in half with one sword strike and stuff. (laughs) And you're like, okay, I mean, who is this character? I I don't know how to associate with this character. She's like a ninja. And then they had the whole thing with like the Legolas. Oh, yes. Calypso. Yeah. That was kind of uh, a little, yeah. Like, a little yeah. Much. I mean, when our characters are messing with gods, you're like, "Oh my!" I thought we were on a pirate adventure, and you know, like Legolas is fine, but I don't know. I mean, whatever. That first one, though, buddy, that was that was fun as shit. Oh, that one's like perfect. Like you can't you can't top that. It was great. That's oh. like a real and everybody clap moment. Like when that movie was over, <laughs> when he jumps off the side of the of the cliff to escape execution. That's great. That's fantastic. Well, like, like that opening scene with Captain Jack where he steps off the bow. Oh, you know? like, like just sinks in the harbor. That's, that's awesome. I think people have been chasing that high for years of a character <laughs> introduction. That's like the best character introduction. It's insane. It's so He's, good. He sees like the hanged pirates that are like skeletons. He like nods at them. He gives them a salute. I mean, like, I'm always noticing how characters introduced because I think about it a lot for my own comics, you know? Right. So, like, I was watching the X-Files episode the other day, and, like, this guy from Mulder's past shows up. And, like, w- when he's walking in, there's, like, a jack-o'-lantern, a plastic jack-o'-lantern with candy in it, right? Because it's Halloween. Like, he, he like, kind of sneakily grabs a piece from it. Like, it was fine, but he did it kind of s- sneakily, like he was stealing it almost. And I was like, ah, oh, see, that's, like, a little subtle touch by the director to show you that he's a little suspicious. Mm. Um, and ends up being so. I'm like, oh, that's a good introduction, you know. So I notice those little things. But when you watch like the Captain Jack one, you're not like, man, that's a good introduction. You're just like, oh my god, like it just, <laughs> it just like blows your mind. It's so awesome. <laughs> so I wonder if they find the Black Pearl under the ocean. Me, oh, the Black Pearl. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. <laughs> those, those, those two guys. I've seen the Black Pearl. You, you've seen a ship crewed by the damned. <laughs> with black sails well no well then you haven't seen the black pearl i love those dudes <laughs> those dudes are like reoccurring characters right yeah they, they, they kind of have like a Mont- monty python type humor to them and they're like in all three movies yeah yeah they're like the the eyeball guy and the the other guy yeah the one guy like tells him to read the bible and he's like dude we can't even read what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> it's like try and count it's trying <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh. It's just God's looking down. It's like, well, you're dumb, but you tried. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> I guess I don't have to put you in hell. You know, it's up to me, really. It's my rules. Oh, did you see any of the later ones, even the ones after those? The I, I put on the fourth one one day, and then I realized that, like, I could not watch it, and I stopped watching it. But I saw that in the theaters. That's the one with, like, the, uh, oh, Blackbeard. Like, they literally just whip out Blackbeard. Yeah, like a real person. <laughs> it's awesome. and they, oh yeah that one's great that the only what the great thing about that movie is um uh the 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 spaniards show up and like the whole point of that one is that they're hunting for the fountain of youth or whatever oh yeah um, that's what they do and and the spaniards show up and the spaniards instead of like utilizing the fountain of youth they're like this is a disgrace against god and they just oh. destroy it they shoot it with cannons that's like, awesome all right all right like that's the sphinx good. shoot it <laughs> Some of that story is not true, right? With the 
Napoleon and the Sphinx. Thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Napoleon yeah. and the Sphinx. Uh, the 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 myth is that like they shot the nose off. Nose they shot the nose off. Yeah, um, but there's there's drawings of it that were made in like the 1700s and like 1600s, and it has it's lacking a nose in those. Uh, so, so it's just a funny story. Yeah, it is a funny story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard it that is. in high school. They they told me Napoleon shot the nose off. Oh really? Just anti-French propaganda, <laughs> Frank Frankphobia. You're right that that was probably made up by like British people to like defame Napoleon. They're like oh. it, it could be. Yeah, I like it's it's something that's not too unbelievable because like they were destroying like artifacts like left and right. Well, sure, you got a big old face. I got a big old cannon. I mean, let's see what happens. The, the, I think it lost the idea is that it lost the nose during the Islamic conquest of the region. Um, and it used to have a beard too. Not too many people talk about the beard. Mm. It used to have a little beard, but the beard I think was a later addition, which is weird. I think, uh, doesn't Aladdin have a scene where somebody breaks the nose off the Sphinx? I, uh, maybe I don't remember. I think there is. The third Aladdin is good. Third Aladdin's good, the Aladdin movie. Yeah, yeah, cool. His dad shows up, and his dad's like super hot. <laughs> That's not where I thought that sentence was going. <laughs> yeah, no, he is. He's just like I'm a very attractive older man. Is he? Is that he like a like, street rat too? Is he like? Uh... Oh no, he's fucking uh, fucking Alibaba, dude. Oh shoot, he's he's famous. Oh god. Yeah, like Aladdin's the prince of thieves, buddy. <laughs> and uh, they like uh, they do like a Turtle Island thing interesting a big floating like i think it's the what is it called in arabian nights the cuckoo fish or something i know what you're talking about yeah it had a famous name yeah it's some name like cuckoo cuckoo fish or something like that i don't know what that has to do with uh the discovery of the endurance but you know we have those rabbit holes hey come on come on i mean they went down the hole to find a ship we went down the hall to find George Lucas's weird ideas. It's okay. It's fine. It's all fine. Uh, speaking of uh, looking for weird things, Trey. Yes. I think it's time. It's time. Uh, Monster Quest. Head start. Witnesses around the world report seeing monsters. Are they real or imaginary? Science searches for answers. On Monster Quest. Monster Quest. <laughs> Witnesses around the world. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, buddy. Yes. It is time for the grass man. Yeah, the grass, the ass man, the grass man. Not the ass man. <laughs> not the ass man. It's not ass man. No, oh, no, these don't belong to me. I'm, uh, I'm not the ass man. I think there's been a mistake. <laughs> What's your name again? Cosmo Kramer. Cosmo Kramer. You are the ass man. So I kept, I, I, no one else in the world has this association. But in my hometown, we had this guy who ran this glass company called Miller Glass, right? Okay. And they had this commercial that played all the time, like on the television, on the radio. And it was, he's the glass man. He'll fix it fast, man. Call Floyd Floyd Miller. He's the glass, glass man. And it's like, boom, boom, play some bluegrass music. And like every time I hear the grass man, I'm like, it's the grass man. <laughs> He'll fix it fast, man. I couldn't, I couldn't help every time I was watching this episode. <laughs> Nobody else has this association, but I do. And I couldn't get it out of my head, man. So. <laughs>
Yeah. That's great. I don't. I, I, yeah, I just felt like I should share that because I need to share it. Grassman's um, a cool, a cool name. I'll give him that. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I wish that he was half grass, half man. Right. Like, or you, that, you, that's what I want for him. You know. <laughs> or you picture it like something like living in the long grass, like it's like yeah, you know, a swamp thing. Yeah. And, and this is kind of weird because the the areas that they show uh, living in, it's just like forest area. It's not really grass. No. I don't know where the association went. So, they, the, like in the Monster Quest episode, it opens up where it's like something so stealthy, it was hardly even noticed. Shaped like a linebacker, no neck, small head, very large. <laughs> Seven to eight feet tall. They don't use this word, but it's more appropriate. Uh, he was swole. He was swole. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and he was quoted as being particularly fond of cowardly blood. Oh my god! <laughs> How does he know? Might, yeah, well, is you know certain hormones in the blood or something? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how blood works. I'm not a blood scientist. A sanguinist? sanguinist. I don't know what's the blood. Is that what a blood scientist? That, is that called? sounds about right. Sanguinist. It is now. Blood scientist. Let's see. They're just called blood scientists. Oh, hematology. Just, hematology? Uh, Hematologist? Why? Because the hemoglobin? Yeah, I think so. It's lame. Sanguinologist is cooler. Change it. <laughs> change it. Change it. Just change it. We're rewriting history. We're rewriting dictionaries left and right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So what is this grass man? I, I Like, what is he? It, What's going on with it? Is, uh, if you have my opinion of it, it's literally just another way to say Bigfoot. How dare you! <laughs> it's it's Bigfoot, but they wanted to give him a separate. No, episode. no, it, it's it's different, Trey. Um, it's the same. I'm gonna think of a reason why. <laughs> He's the same. It's the same. What what is this? It's like this is like what paleontologists do, where like they try to go like, oh, T Rex. This is another subspecies, or this is a separate species. Look how different they are. It's like they just want to have their own special monster. And it's it's yeah. literally just everybody else's monster. Well, so the cryptid wiki, right? Okay. Uh, for grass man, you know, it says about the height, and everything that I said. Um, it says it's known. It sounds are pretty original. Um, it's supposed to growl and bark. It has a heavy breath, but others say it sounds like the cry of a baby or the scream of a woman. So I don't know. Oh, it, it, um, it barks like a dog. Yeah, so oh. it's probably a dog. Um, you know, some say it has a stub nose, deep set eyes, you know, blackish brownish. Mm. Um, you know, people say that Native American writings speak to the grass man. Yeah. Uh, it's known to kill dogs. Yeah. And deer. Uh, one reporter said that it saw it with a deer liver. Oh, like just carrying it around? Yeah. For a snack. <laughs> Wrapped up in a, a piece of wrapped up in leaves, like a like a package, like those mice. Yeah, well, well, I don't know if you know this tray. If you were an avid listener of the Plastic Please Your podcast, you might know um, Bigfoot's favorite snack is a is a mouse wrapped up in leaves. <laughs> but but there's like a fusion style that some Bigfoots, like cousins of Bigfoots, the Grass Man, they'll do the liver wrapped up in grass. <laughs> This is interesting that Bigfoot hunts. I never thought of Bigfoot as hunting deer, like killing something that big. Yeah, I think he just punched into it, took the liver and ate it. Right. Or, or does it eat roadkill? Is that the idea? 
Well, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know. This is, this is made <laughs> up. Or, or, sorry. This well, yeah, wait, we are searching for answers, Trey, first of all. <laughs> okay. Science is searching for answers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So this thing is basically a Sasquatch, but I guess like the idea is that it's like a subspecies, like a regional yeah. species limited to Ohio. In Ohio. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, like, why do people think they see this? What are some of our early sightings? So, as Monster Quest talks about, there was a supposed sighting in uh, 1869 in January. Nice, nice year. Uh, nice. It was a fight with a, a wild man. It shows up in this newspaper. Um, and it is a, a creature. Uh, there was a father and daughter. They're not really named. Um, they were in a carriage, uh, and Monster Quest has a reenactment, but he it has them as walking down the street on a town and dirt road. But in reality, they were supposedly in a carriage, and um, they were left unnamed. And the Bigfoot, or not Bigfoot, sorry, Wild Man, jumped out and I guess like tore them out of the out of the carriage and and try, and fought the 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 man. And in Monster Quest, he's like a, a 1800s man with like a top hat and like yeah, a yeah. cane. He's like, oh my gosh! And the, and they fought, they fought each other, and the man picked up a rock and and bashed it on the the wild man's head. And it says the creature was not stunned, but feeling unequal to further exertion, slowly got up and retired. <laughs> yeah, I, I found the original newspaper article. Yeah, it was in the the Finland Jeffersonian. Yeah, so that's the story. And I read I read some stuff on the online forums about it, and somebody on this forums and the. In the early 2000s, it says, sounds like the BF wanted the daughter for himself. Makes yeah. sense to take out the threat, man, first. So, oh, yeah, I don't know about this thought process. So the, the idea is, and, and other people were agreeing, this was like a widespread thing, that Bigfoot wanted the, the man's daughter mm-hmm. and uh, and tried to take out the dude. And the, the man thankfully fought off the, the wild man. Sorry, they call him a wild man, a creature. It's well, she tossed him a rock, right? She tossed him a rock or... Uh, yeah, so in the piece says, So the struggle was long and tearful, rolling and wallowing in the deep mud, half suffocated, sometimes beneath his adversary, whose burning and manic eyes glared into his own with murder and cuss and savage intensity, just as he was about to become exhausted from his ex- exertions. The daughter, taking courage at the time of imminent danger of her parent snatched up a rock and hurled it into the head of her father's would-be murderer he was fortunate enough to put an end to the struggle by striking him somewhere about the ear was what the newspaper says wow that's a brave woman right there yeah if this happened at all because this is what (laughs) this is an anonymous story that was sent into this newspaper oh (laughs) and i think it's unclear exactly if if it's intended to be like a monstrous creature or just like a wild man like i think maybe they're yeah it's well the language is unclear yeah it it could be talking about like they were talking thinking that it was like a native american like attacking the the carriage or whatever because that that was often used interchangeably like wild man was thought of as like a a like savage native american person is that that was the language that was used at that time sure Yeah. yeah yeah Well, they could have been like ostracized Native Americans, you know, like they didn't have a tribe or something. Right, right. They had like, like you know, they could have been schizophrenics or something, right? Yeah. I mean, as some Native Americans would have had mental problems and some of them might have been ostracized or loners. So right. it's definitely a thing that could have happened. Right. 
Or it could have just been like a, a bandit or something like that. Yeah. Or, or could have just made it up. Or, or it just didn't happen. <laughs> but we don't know for sure yet. We do not know. Uh, also, <laughs> according to Monster Quest, there is another story where we get the, the line particularly fond of cowardly blood. Of um, cowardly of blood. Cowardly blood. That's great. Like it's it's from Oh, it's a, so good. It's from a book from the from nineteen eleven. It's called Buckeye Boyhood by William Vanaby. Vanable. That's the year that uh, the Antarctic was uh, discovered by the Norwegians. There we go. There's some crossovers right here. That's great. Crossover. <laughs> we planned it all. And and there in the story, this this book is essentially like a, a guy growing up in the eighteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds, um, who talked about sort of his childhood stories that he he learned in the in the country in, in Ohio. Um, and he says, he says, there are narratives were often spun at evening fires by old settlers of lively imagination of, uh, that they purported personal adventures with wildcats and night prowling creatures with glowing eyeballs, especially the painter, ooh, the perilous beast, oh. which always deluded the hunter by plaintive cries exactly as a moaning child. So that must be where they get the idea of a moaning child comes from. Um, mm. But he says that these tales were, were um, and so he also lists, so these are stories and uh, besides them were stories of hoop snakes and whip snakes and deadly moccasins. If anybody knows what a hoop snake is, there were these, there was an idea that there were snakes that would bite their own tails and turn into a hoop and like roll down. I was gonna say, if you don't know what a hoop snake is, just use your imagination. You'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> They were great. They were great. They don't exist. They don't exist. Oh, come on, Trey. It's like jackalopes. It's like jackalopes. You, where they were you don't know that they don't exist. Oh. You just, it's just you and your scientism. <laughs> I would love to believe in the hoop snakes. That sounds really cool. Like a, a snake, like an Ouroboros biting its own tail and then rolling down the hill. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to make one. Yeah. That's awesome right there. And then so he goes on. It was something uh, – he says it's something was something between a gorilla and Sinbad's old man of the mountain. It was particularly fond of the taste of cowardly blood. There you go. Yeah. Um, but he – this guy this guy is skeptical of it where he says that there was hoaxing involved and then it was uh, tales from old settlers, evening firesides, spun by the evening fireside of, of lively mm. imagination. So they were like – they were spooky stories you tell to kids, like a boogeyman and stuff. They weren't, yeah, so they all, weren't all real. They weren't really necessarily supposed to be like believed one hundred percent. They were, you know, trying to scare the kids. Don't let them get out in the wilderness at night. Yeah, they'll die. Yeah, yeah, they'll get attacked by a bear or something. Yeah. No internet out there. No internet. Yeah, they're screwed. Yeah, so there you go. That's that's some of the earliest talk of the wild man or this uh, grass man. Um, but you know, like there, there are stories that like, it could be about boogeyman. Like it's, it's probably like boogeyman stories just told to children and a story that's kind of like vague and it might be just made up. <laughs> oh wait, before we move on, I want to bring up that there is a guy, a, a, an author and Bigfoot researcher named Christopher Murphy, who says mm-hmm. that, uh, they like Europeans, like early colonial Europeans figured they were some kind of native native. Um, hmm. Which is interesting because this is a working theory of mine that like Sasquatch and Bigfoot legends came out of like the I like of stories about Native Americans, like the the wild man concept. It's just like they were talking about Native Americans that they perceived as wild men, not necessarily yeah. like monster ape men. So there you go. There's some more support for my theory, my pet theory. So onto the modern evidence of this. So do you, do you want to talk about this this uh, the main sort of researcher Miles? 
so his name's Jody Cook. That's right. Um, our boy here, Jody Cook, he works for the Ohio Center of Bigfoot Studies. That's right. Yeah. He's, he is also an antagonist of Dogman. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has a history, he, right? Yeah, he is hot on the trails of Dogman. Uh, he's going to get him. Allegedly. Um, yeah. <laughs> I listened to a podcast of his today. Oh, nice. Yeah, and he was saying that uh, drove by some like roadkill kind of car accident type situation. And these people had brought out an ambulance to pick up the animal, and it was a bear. They said the, the wildlife uh, people said, oh, because a bear, we, we needed a way to get it out, so we just used an ambulance. It was the closest thing that was there. He says, bullshit, cover up. Why would you need an ambulance? That was Dogman. What? Government denies all knowledge. So, so Dogman was getting in the ambulance? Well, yeah, he hurt, though. He got hit. He's, like, dead. I don't know if Dogman can die. Uh, but, yeah, he's going to... Look, Trey, Dogman's real. He's going to find him. Uh, uh, okay. I saw like, a lot of interviews. So I, I watched a podcast as well of, with an interview with him just to know some more background. And he says, uh, we have Dogman. He's obsessed with Dogman. Dogman's, like, his favorite thing. The most terrifying of cryptids. That's one <laughs> podcast. And they showed all these drawings and like, oh man, oh, we'll show you some of the art. It's cherry. <laughs> oh, he says, dog. We have dogman reports coming from out of every state, states that I would never imagine a dogman sighting coming out of. Oh, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Louisiana, entire packs of dogmen running across <laughs> the country. So, pretty interesting, right there. He and he also brings up a story of a dash cam. Uh, in Louisiana, where a cop recorded a dogman attacking his cop car and ripping it apart. Um, yeah, that happened. And he says, he says the car, and he told he, he drove back and he told his superior, and the superior told him, "Oh, you should take the day off. You should go to sleep. <laughs> you should not come around here anymore." And he, he says he came back the next day, and the car was repaired. Oh, and, <laughs> miraculous and he, dog man. Yeah, you're right. Like, wait a second, the whole car was repaired. Wow, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a little suspicious. That's like magic right there. Um, and then it was almost like nothing happened when I woke up the next day. <laughs> and he said he asked his supervisor about the video. By the way, this this police officer, this cop was never named. He's anonymous. Um, he says, "What video?" So like the video, the idea is the supervisor erased the dash cam and threatened him that uh, if he talked about this, they would they would fire him or, or put him to psychological yeah. evaluation. Uh, Government denies all knowledge. Yeah, and, and the people on the podcast were like, "Oh, this sounds similar to what happens with Bigfoot and UFO evidence. It's being covered up." So, yeah, this guy's also been on UFO uh, podcasts. Although, um, I believe, according to, I'll read his coast to coast preview. So, this is one of our main guys searching for Grassman. This is why we're talking about him. This is the go-to guy that Monster Quest is is letting us know. This is the guy hot on the trail of Grassman. Um, so he is the head of the North American Dogman Project. He's a retired U.S. Army and Iraq war vet. He's one of the most active dogman and Bigfoot researchers in the state of Ohio. Originally, he was a member of the Cincinnati UFO research group, Ask, but realized that he loved dogman or hated dogman <laughs> more than UFOs. Um, I added some of those words in there. That's, that's, that's what happened. That's interesting <laughs> that there's such overlap between the communities like that. You th feel like... Like they're, sh they're like, oh, Dogman is very different than UFOs, but you know, if you're an expert in one, you must be an expert in the other one, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, 
Oh, he also nonsense casserole, man. He he also went on a tangent on the podcast that I was interviewing, like watching him on it. And um, this might show up for a future Monster Quest episode where he mentioned Monster Quest. And he talked, stay tuned. So he talked about the Smithsonian Institute and how they cover stuff up. And and he thinks that they have a he says um, he says, what did they say? He says the the best things are in the museum, the basement of the museum. I bet you somewhere in the Smithsonian Institute, I think he meant the Smithsonian Institute, maybe it was his accent, there is the remains of a Bigfoot. He bets you that. Oh. So, ooh, ooh, That's awesome. It's going to show up in a future episode. It's not, The episode doesn't actually talk about Bigfoot, but uh, it talks about a giant bear. And he's convinced that like the bear that was is being held, the skull of a bear that's being held there, is actually a dogman or Bigfoot skull. So. And they're hiding. It'd be cooler if, like, you had the theory that it was like a an, a remaining, like a relic, um, short faced bear that, or something, you know. So that's what Monster Quest thinks is the case. Okay, because that's a cooler hypothesis, <laughs> you know. Because there's like a, I mean, it's not going to happen, but there's like more plausibility, right? I don't know why the Smithsonian would cover that up, though. Like, wouldn't you want to do that? Like this really cool specimen at your museum, like. Show it off. Government government denies all knowledge, Trey. His, I'm trying to tell you. His excuse for that, he says they don't want to believe in monsters or the existence of Bigfoot. If they got something there, they're not going to say they have it just because they don't want it out there. They don't want Why? to be known as a museum that has a monster. So there you go. It's like a circular region. They don't want to know about it because they don't want to know about it. Okay, man. <laughs> well, it's it's just like it breaks down an organization of like probably thousands of or hundreds of like of researchers and scientists and curators down to like one uniform hive mind of like people, yeah. which it's like, no, like you read, there's plenty of researchers that like would be like, Oh yeah, I want to write a paper on this weird skull there and examine it. So what did, what did our boy here? Yes. That we, we've, we've explained to you kind of his background. What did he find? Uh, he, he has to be the, the luckiest Bigfoot reach researcher out there. Because he's found like many, many things. He's found a lot. So he found a baboon skull in 2006. Um, yeah. The Monster Quest shows that he found a skull. He said while he was hiking mm. in the roost of some buzzards. Yeah. And, uh, yep. it, it, well, sorry. We don't know if it's a baboon skull. Yet. He said it's a skull. Oh, oh yeah. It's yeah. a skull that he okay, found. Okay. So- <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> um, yeah. So he found a skull in the roost of some buzzards. And he didn't know what the skull was. And it, it looks mammalian, of course. Mm. And uh, so that's pretty interesting because yeah. it wasn't like a deer skull or a canid skull or anything. Yeah. And uh, in 1992, Cook and two other men discovered a Bigfoot nest or hut. Uh, he said he uses the word igloo, hollow inside, formal shelter with intervo- interwoven, built like a quilt of like grass See, and branches. When they said built like a quilt, my girlfriend is like a quilting nerd. She <laughs> talks about quilts all the time. I wanted to ask her and be like, does this look like a quilt? Expert opinion. Is this yeah. A quilt? What is your expert opinion? Is this a quilt structured grass hut or not? I, I wanted to know. Um, yeah. So, what do you think about the the grass structure? That's why he's grass man, right? It's because this grass structure. He, he builds these grass structures. Um, well, he this one grass structure. There's not another one, right? I don't think they found another one. <laughs> yeah. No, I think there's only one that they found out in the right. woods, and then like he he said he visited it several times, but like it just kept on growing foliage around it and eventually they just kind of disappeared um mm-hmm. it, it it's i'm not impressed by this grass structure i just like thought like a kid built it um 
Oh wait, should I save this for the fight for the end? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like it's pretty simple. It doesn't look super complex, you know. It's not like a Neolithic hut or anything. Yeah, it's not like um, rounded really. It's like pseudo rounded. It's like you know, like oblong looking thing. It looks like a. It looks like it could possibly have been made to look like a grass igloo, or I don't think it's implausible to say it's a natural occurrence either. Mm. I mean, go if you have a drawer with a bunch of wires in it, go look at them. They like wrap around each other and stuff, right? So like, like reeds naturally form balls a lot of the time. So I mean, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think it's impossible. Is this a natural structure? I'm looking. I don't know it. that it is. But. I'm looking at it right now, like a picture of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't look. It could. It literally looks like it could be a natural structure. Um, but mm. I'm not 100. Like even if it's not a natural structure, I think it could be uh, man-made. Like. Very easily. I can make. I can make. <laughs> I can make that too. We get into what he 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 uh, does. Let's there's, go make one, Trey. There's some experimental uh, archaeology right there. So, no, not archaeology. Uh, experimental cryptozoology right there, where he tests that hypothesis: yeah. Can a human build this structure? Um, oh, hold on. <laughs> we'll see. Um, and then stay tuned. There is a third piece of evidence that is a handprint with dermal ridges. Um, oh my gosh, it's dermal ridges, boys. Yeah. And um, the con- do you did you remember the context of it? I think he. Just like took a cast of it. Or... Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. They didn't say that much. He just had a a a print, right? Um, that looked like a large pseudo human looking hand print. Yeah, and and so and, Cook found all three of these apparently, or at least according to Monster Quest, how they phrase it. Yeah, and dermal ridges. If people don't remember, that's basically the things that make up your fingerprints. There's little bumps on your fingers or feet. Yeah, so he he's a very very lucky dude where he's gotten three of these things. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. He's he's one of the best out there. Yeah, yeah. That's why Dogman and him have such a relationship. It, you know, it's, it's Dogman is also looking for Bigfoot. It's interesting to me that we know that, that we learned this background about him about Dogman, and um, he found the the skull, and the skull really doesn't look like what you'd expect a Bigfoot skull to look like. Um, no, it's not it's at all. more protruding snout. It has. Big, the big canine, canine teeth, teeth sticking out, which is not—I've never really heard that for Bigfoot. That would make that would make more sense with a Dogman claim to me. Well, this isn't Bigfoot; it's Grassman, buddy. Oh, sorry, Grassman, Grassman. They're just not the same. They're different. Okay? <laughs> they're he's a small. He's a big. So, like, if Bigfoot was ever discovered, like, there would be like debates on like, oh, is this a subspecies of it? There would be there'd be people that would be like, oh, this is a Grassman. This isn't a Sasquatch. That's the West Coast Pacific Northwest yep. population. This is the uh ohio population it's like oh okay <laughs> that'd be totally something that they would do um yeah and all this apparently all this happens in what they dub the sasquatch triangle in ohio it's like the bermuda triangle i guess it's a, like the bermuda triangle i've never really heard the term sasquatch triangle but they bring it up several times and have a map of it so this must be where the activity is coming from miles like this is a hot spot of activity that's good. They're gonna find him then. <laughs> there's a there's apparently I just looked it up. There's apparently a Sasquatch Triangle conference uh, in May this year. If you want to if you want oh. us to show up, yeah, <laughs> uh, we we will go if we're invited and you pay for us. <laughs> what are the, so this is sort of the uh, background of this uh, of the thing. There was some some vague sightings in the not real like it probably isn't even related in the 1800s and then. Um, there's this champion of, of Grassman, um, 
saying that tea exists and there's some sporadic evidence. Oh, we also have a little bit of other stuff, right? We have um, eyewitness claims, right, of people seeing Grassman. Yeah, so one lady and her man went out and they were eating some Pringles. They were. I saw the Pringles. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, they were hanging out in the woods. And then, like, they put out their fire so it was dark so they couldn't see good. And then she's like, then I saw Grassman. I was scared. And that's the end of the story. Yeah, he was like at the he was like in the the complete darkness. Like they wouldn't have had a good view of him regardless. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah the, oh, and then then our boy uh, Don Keating, also from the Ohio Center of Bigfoot Studies. Yeah, so you know he's out there just shooting video of the woods. Mm-hmm. And this is 1992, a height of video technology. S- same year that they found the the Bigfoot nest thing, the igloo thing. Yeah. Which is um, I wonder if one of the guys was Don, because he mentions that. He, uh, well, oh, maybe it was Grassman. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Hold yeah. on. Maybe it was. <laughs> Hold on, Trey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, buddy. Um, it could be Grassman, mm. and so he shoots a video, and you see a a brown thing. How <laughs> to describe this like objectively? There's a small brown patch. Um, pixels. That of pixels that moves in the distance that makes up probably about like 4% of the total screen and it moves I don't know for about like 50-60 frames and then disappears. That sounds about right. I think they say the exact number of frames and it's under under 50. It's under something like that. Yeah. So that's what we see and so that could be Grassman. Um, and that's our setups. But now we're going to go look for this guy and analyze this evidence because mm-hmm. Monster Quest searches for answers. That's right. That's right. They they yep. want to reveal this stuff. So what's one of the main things we do to go look for this guy? So one of the main things to do that they do to look is that they get this uh, this RC or sorry this uh, yeah RC helicopter right? Yep, and they uh, got a bunch of neon lights on it. <laughs> yeah, because that's gonna that's gonna really be uh, inconspicuous right there. <laughs> Grassman's a raver. <laughs> And it goes and has a a thermal camera on it to see in the yep. wilderness. Um, yes, they decide that they're nocturnal. Yep, which is interesting. I didn't know apes were nocturnal. I think most uh, great apes are not nocturnal. They they go to sleep during the night. Yeah, mm. but Grassman's nocturnal. Yeah, and uh, they they got the neon chopper out there. The uh, Grassman 9000. Uh, wait, yeah, and exactly. Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Grassman, I think, would not be a, a nocturnal creature. Because I know that uh, in order to de- develop color vision, uh, great apes had to lose a lot of their, oh, God, which was, I think, rods. Rods are the ones that are good at night. And cones are the ones well, that allow you to see color. I yeah. Think. Um, rods are, are space creatures or sky creatures. <laughs> in your eyeballs, in your eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> a different run. <laughs> so I, it, it, the human eye, the human eye has a, or sorry, eyes have evolved different ways. Yeah, throughout history. So there's lots of different ways you can have an eye work. So yeah. So if I were to wager, Bigfoot would be a daytime creature, like other yeah. other uh, primates, because we we need to see we see color, and that you there's like a trade off there. So there you go. That's my that's my theory. yeah. But our guys don't agree with that. Um, they believe he's nocturnal. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they look for him at night. Um, so they go out there. They, a pretty cool little helicopter yeah. thing they got going. 
They get they get a guy. They get um a guy. It's like his company makes the helicopters. I think so. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll report back on what they find. <laughs> yeah, they fly. <laughs> they fly in a weird area. They fly it like at a lake. Um, it looks like a some type of like like park, like state park yeah, or something. Like places that you can go to that's not deep in the woods. Yeah, it looks like it looks like some place where you go fishing with your with your buddy. Yeah, you go out with a can of Pringles and hang out in the woods. <laughs> um, so our our boy uh, Jody Cook, he takes the skull and gives it to a reoccurring character, Esteban. Yeah, because he was in the Bigfoot attacks episode. He yeah, he went. He was in the the double cabin episode. Yeah. Maybe we can get him on the show. Maybe, maybe we could. He's like a primatologist, right? Yeah, he's a primatologist, and uh, uh, he's also taught um, um, actual science. Yeah, before so yeah, and I and yeah, and I agree with some of his his claims on Monster Quest. So that'd be cool to have a conversation with him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's that. They send the skull to him to get analyzed, and then Cook Cook also sets up. This was my favorite: is a Bigfoot scarecrow in the woods. <laughs> So they got these big flat looking Bigfoot masks or Bigfoot looks super sad. He looks so depressed. Like, he's like, he looks like he's been watching nine inch or listening to nine inch nails all day. <laughs> it's like his little Bigfoot girl left him. And he's just like, Oh man. <laughs> so yeah, he just looks completely down, you know? Yeah. And uh, they got his big, stupid, sad face on a trail cam. Yeah, it's sad face on like a PC, like PCP pipe that like has been wrapped with like a like a rag of like fur and, and yep. set up on a tree. And I guess the, the expectation is that Bigfoot will see the sad Bigfoot or sorry, Grassman will see the sad Grassman, yeah, sad uh, uh, face of this very sad uh, man. And uh, go up and comfort him, maybe. And they'll kiss. And they'll kiss. Or yeah. <laughs> they'll kiss. That'd be great. <laughs> oh my god! And or, or or maybe they'll fight. Like he'll just like rip the head off. <laughs> so my dad, you know, his house burnt down and everything. Right. Mm. Um, one of the things that actually did survive, very very little did, was we had like this a statue, like a plaster. I don't know what his exact makeup is, but it's like a big plaster looking statue of a deer, right? Mm. He had in his front yard. That actually didn't get destroyed somehow. Um, so he took that down to the new little cabin that he lives in down in the valley. And we had it in his yard. And then one day a big buck came up and saw it oh and then fought it. He like got up on his back legs and came down a thing and smashed it, knocked it right in half. <laughs> So I think that's what they were wanting to happen with the grass man. <laughs> they were hoping that he was going to get territorial and just like, just punch it. Just get so upset. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or kiss. <laughs> okay. So then we send in our handprint. Mm-hmm. Yep. We send in we the send handprint to, to a, um, his name is J- uh, Jimmy Ch- uh, Chilcutt. Um, Jimmy Chilka. Jimmy Chilka. He sounds like a, 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 a Better Call Saul character. Yeah, it's uh, Jimmy Chilka. <laughs> he's a forensic examiner. Um, and so I did some background research on him. Uh, I saw like a local piece, like a, a local newspaper post about him. And it seems like he has a lot of experience with human f- handprints or fingerprints mm-hmm. in like a criminal setting. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's like a forensics guy. Um, and it doesn't seem like he has much background with anthropology or primates. It seems like he's self-taught, um, expert on them. 
So like, I don't know. And, and the, the thing was weird. It said like he worked as a bodyguard for a few days for Ronald Reagan, which I thought was very weird. Was yeah. Like, oh. So he actually is on an episode of Monster Talk. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, he is there an early episode. Um, he believes in Bigfoot. Oh, he does. And yeah, he's a Bigfoot apologist. He tries to couch it in his expertise leading back to the conclusion, but he um he's also been on a lot of commentaries with our boy Jeff. Oh, interesting. So he he's he's a leading proponent of like that kind of hypothesis. Interesting. That that that, that changes my perspective on him a little bit more now knowing that. Uh yeah. Yeah, cuz cuz it's you're right. It seems like he's a self-taught uh expert in this area. Like it doesn't seem like he has background working directly with with chimpanzee fingerprints or ape fingerprints it's more that he worked in criminal forensics with fingerprints which is not necessarily the same thing there's a lot of difference yeah um, he, he he was like he was a crime scene investigator yeah um and he's a retired texas law dude and uh he has self-described himself as a cheerleader for bigfoot before so. interesting interesting yeah and he says the claim he says whatever this casting is i can tell you with 100% accuracy that it came from a real animal um which this this claim of his rubbed me the wrong way um when i was listening to it i feel like a scientist shouldn't say that like, yeah a, sci- a scientist wouldn't and he's not a scientist right right he, because yeah. I've seen I've seen this before where people claim like, oh, it's impossible to fake something or like it, I can tell you this with 100 percent accuracy, which is you, you got you to like both believers, but also like skeptics like you, you, you probably shouldn't say that because like a scientist would say it is consistent on what you'd expect from a real print. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That, That's that what they'd say. Right. Yeah. Because your your understanding is limited to your expertise and the available evidence to you. It's not. And that's fair. Right. You don't know everything about the pedigree of the print that you're seeing. You just know what is consistent with real prints and you see a bunch of those impressions. Right. So, yeah, there's no, there's no reason to overstate your claim. Right. No reason. No reason. But this guy worked with the president, right? He was the so, bodyguard I mean, for a few days. <laughs> maybe he's seen some shit that we haven't seen. <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't the bodyguard for uh, those like for that one day. day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what day he was. The, he was only on the job for a few days because uh, Google it. You'll see what happened. <laughs> he didn't do his job. <laughs> yeah, oh, so snap! <laughs> well, I'm fired. <laughs> Jimmy, <laughs> the gang guards Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were guarding the president. I thought you were. <laughs> I gave him an ocular pat down. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, so then they go check out the grass huts on our search. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they they send them out there. They look at them. They say it's a quilt of reeds and grass and. They say they reminded me of the line from Ghostbusters. They're like, "That's right, Ray. No human being could stack books this way, because um, they're like, yeah, nobody could make this grass pile." Yes. Well, this was this was what am I like? This part like made me roll my eyes. Where Cook, uh, I said, I wrote down. He gives a half-hearted effort to recreate the intricate hut structure, um, and it's and it's and Monster Quest concludes that it was so it was too hard for him to build. After working for over an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, he. 
Come on. First of all, he, <laughs> like, first of all, he's biased here. First of all, he's biased. Oh, sure. He's, he's got a vested interest in showing that this is, oh, this is too hard for one guy to build. Um, after working for over an hour, Miles, he, he put in that effort for an hour. All right, I couldn't build it. I guess there's a grass, man. <laughs> he says it was more effort than he anticipated. Um, and he says kids couldn't have done it. Uh, Cook is certain that the original structure was not made by children. So... So one of my one of my questions is like what technology technological abilities does Bigfoot have that are so special that we don't have? Don't right. we have pretty similar anatomy? Right. I I have no idea. I guess I if I were to play devil's advocate, he's saying that Bigfoot is like a wilderness expert, so knows how to do these things to like a T. Um, okay, but he says it's like a quilt. Humans have made quilts, right? right? I can prove that. Right. Show me a Bigfoot quilt. <laughs> You're not going to do it, right? So, I mean, like, why why are we acting like Bigfoot can quilt grass better than we can? Yeah. We can make cakes that look like anything. <laughs> we we have all kinds of powers. <laughs> this is this is the ancient aliens argument where they go like it was. It, this is too complex for yeah. such and such people to build. So therefore, we need to explain it as an outside thing. Did it? Uh, so that was basically our search. We don't have a lot of DNA stuff in this episode. Nope. We have some cameras, we have our helicopters, we have a skull, we have the grass, like igloo thing. Um, and then we really can't look into the eyewitness stuff because, you know, it's eyewitness stuff. So that's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what about our, our findings, Trey? What do we wrap down? Like, uh, what, what's what's the root of the grass man? The root of the grass man is uh is very very uh low. It's a very shallow root. It's it doesn't go that far. <laughs> Thanks for working with my metaphor, man. <laughs> um, it so they they sent the skull to uh Sarmiento. Um, yeah, and he, Esteban. And I I wanted to I was going to joke that Monster Quest like almost like doxed him because they showed like the yeah. package that the box was in and they didn't bother oh, no. to blur out his uh his his address at all like they just oh, showed no. it. it was like Mon- if I, that happened to me i'd be like monster quest blur that shit out like i don't want to get yeah. people coming for my address um, well, you're secretive buddy too so. <laughs> I, i'm a little secretive yeah <laughs> so he concludes like almost like because i i thought i knew i i was similar to him where like you you see that when you're working in uh, like primatology, you're working in. I, I am an anthropology, so we I've handled a like baboon skull before. It, it was definitely like an African baboon, um, which is what he concludes. You're, you're the you're a resident baboon expert. Yes, I've held one in my yeah. hand, so therefore yeah. I'm I'm an expert. On it. <laughs> um, yeah, they just have a distinct look to them too. They're just like you. You can tell that that's a baboon. Um, okay, so the skull that uh, what's his name, Joey, their guy, right? Yeah, uh, Cook, Jody, Jody Cook. Yeah, so the skull that so the skull that Jody found in this buzzard's roost was a baboon skull, right? Which is weird. Now, which is weird. now there's two things that could have happened. One is a baboon escaped from a zoo mm. and was a attacked by giant buzzards or just died and they ate his dead body mm. and then picked his brain off. Yeah. Or our man who searches for these kind of creatures allegedly is developed. Well, he, he's, it does search for them. Right? Yes. He does search for them. Sorry. Yeah. That's not the legend. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm accusing him officially of searching. For these <laughs> um, he could have 
perhaps could have yeah 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 have fucking lied <laughs> and got a baboon skull Ordered and it placed of, it there off of a website that because there's websites off of the dark web these. yeah he could have bought it with bitcoin <laughs> off of the dark web and I mean, was Silk Road still around back then? I don't know. Uh, this is um, 2009. Yeah, I think Silk Road was around. Yeah, yeah. So he got it. He got a Tor browser and got it off the dark web you and can, got his baboons. You can do it legally too. I think like there's plenty. Yeah. Uh, you can get a. I guess it's if it's a if it's a replica, they could tell. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he got a baboon skull, and then he said, "Oh, look at this." Even though it doesn't really make sense because that would be evidence of Bigfoot. Right. right. I don't know why. Yeah, it, it's. I think I definitely think it's suspicious that this guy that has found like oh tons and tons of evidence finds this this weird thing in in Ohio. And you might say, well, it's not Bigfoot, Miles. It's Grassman. You said that like five times. But here's the thing: they keep telling me that like Grassman's like at least five or six foot tall and has giant shoulders, so it wouldn't be a baboon looking thing anyway. So I don't I don't really understand his point. But it got him on TV, so I guess he's the winner. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah. So yeah, there's 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 several explanations for this that it, you write that it could be a zoo or like a pet or even like a lab animal that escaped, um, or mm-hmm. or it could have been planted by somebody. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah it, um, it is my it is my opinion that he's a hoaxer. I think I think I, I um, in my opinion I I can agree with that. Where it seems suspicious to me that he is found. Uh, several of these stuff like himself you know yeah so he finds the the really nice grass igloo Mm -hmm. which is pretty much the namesake for our grass man um there's no dna or anything on this thing apparently no that would prove it you know well and it's disappeared they didn't really salvage it or try to preserve it at all it just kind of disappeared into the woods i didn't make some sense to me if you got a bigfoot hut they think you built there's hairs on that thing. Like, prove your Bigfoot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do it. Prove us all wrong, man. Come on. <laughs> and then and then the, he also has the handprint. Yeah, so so we go back to Jimmy Colcutt. <laughs> and what does he say? He says, so let's see what he says. He says, um, it belongs to a non-human primate. He says there can it is more consistent with a gorilla. Um, and then the narrator does a, a overview that says he cannot rule out that it belonged to Grassman. Whatever it appears to be, it appears to be authentic. So, hmm. um, yeah, I can't. I can't rule it out that it, <laughs> it belongs to some alleged species that I don't know the characteristics. Right. of. Right. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, you can't rule out that it could have been a, a little alien. So therefore, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's fucking Squidward, dude. I don't know. It could be. <laughs> well, in, in his so his phrasing is it more consistent with the gorilla. Like somebody could fake that with a gorilla um, handprint. You could probably buy some like a casting of a gorilla. Yeah. Well, see, Jimmy Coca here uses more scientific language though, because he's like, I don't know. See, he says it's more consistent with, right? Yeah. That's like that's like how a scientist would talk more. Right. So. Um, and, and if it's like more the handprint, okay, it was a really big. It's a really large handprint. Um, but you're right that like. It can be faked by something. Um, yeah, it's not str- and, and handprints. We talked about this with Jeff, where we're not huge fans of the footprint and handprint evidence. At least I'm not. I don't find it very compelling. I don't find it really compelling either because it's like those can be faked. Easy peasy. <laughs> Easy peasy. <laughs> well, you can get like a, a cast or or fabricate something yourself. Yeah, especially if you're determined, right? You know, like if you're 
if you have money and you got disposable time, if this is a hobby of yours, you can totally hook stuff. Yeah. Um, Jeff thinks he'd know the difference. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's claims where people are like, oh, if this is impossible, I would know. I would tell a fake if if I if I was presented one. And uh, there's examples where they are shown a fake, but they do not. They well, they do not believe it's a fake. <laughs> how can you tell a fake from a real one? Because you don't have a real one. Right. You don't have a so collection of real ones to base off of. Right. Kind of makes it a problem. Yeah. You don't have a, a comparison to compare the fake to. You're right. Yeah. Where how do you make that determination? Yeah. Um, what's the real one? I don't I don't believe I, I'm not convinced any of these are real. <laughs> um, and so after the show, I looked up on the Bigfoot Sasquatch Talk Facebook and they talked about the uh, Jimmy's uh, statements. And it says, I was informed that Jimmy recanted his statements on Bigfoot and that he saw what he thought were dermal ridges were, in fact, brush strokes from wiping dirt off the casts. I, oh, my God. I Googled this to confirm it, but all I read was that other people had stated it. I could not find any statements from himself. So that's a thing that's up in the air right now. I tried to look for more information that's kind of hard to find. but Yeah, so, that, so they were faked. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, most likely faked. Yeah, um, we're getting we we have t- we have multiple hits on on this guy right here where he's found three things and it, it, three of these things are suspicious. So not that the gorilla prints would have anything to do with the baboon skull anyway. Yeah, yeah. This, what does this guy think animals are? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because yeah, you're right. Bigfoot. So these are handprints. So they're forward you would think that like an upright walking ape would have different hands than a gorilla yeah well gorilla hands are like elongated you know and i got the, the thumb is like pulled out to the side and long palm yeah that doesn't and, look like a bigfoot hand i don't think i mean i don't know what a bigfoot hand they're looks made like. for walking on they're made for walking on all four so yeah i would not expect a bigfoot hand to look like a gorilla hand because if you look at like an australopithecus hand um which i think that's it depends. It varies from Bigfoot expert to Bigfoot expert, um, like what Bigfoot's related to um, or descended from. I think. I think the main theory is that it's like a Homo sapien, like Homo relative. Like it's one of those archaic. Yeah. Like, I think Australopithecines, like maybe that's their idea, or like one of those more distant branches of Homo um, that kind of broke off. But the thing is, is if you look at their hands, they look basically like human hands. Same with their feet. Um, like by the time, by the time like Australopithecus was around, like those animals had basically human hands, and human feet. It was just, you know, it was just, it just looked slightly different, but generally they were the same. Uh, yeah. This, this, so this, and then, so the last bit of evidence, evidence, what am I talking about? Like quote unquote evidence was the, the chopper team, which find, found what miles they found. Did they find it? Uh, oh, no, no, they found uh, a bird on a tree. <laughs> they kept calling it a heat signature right. that they found. Right. They, there was a there was one heat signature in the woods, and it, and they I think they believed that it was on the ground, but it was very clearly up in the tree. It was up in a damn tree, <laughs> and so I was like, "That's not grass man. That's a, it's not tree man. It's some sleeping bird just minding its own business." It's uh, and they see and so they like were thing. very excited that a, like a bird existed. Yeah. And then they like ran out of juice with the, the neon choppers and set him down. <laughs> this bird's trying to sleep and like it's like it just sees this glowing UFO looking thing right, flying towards it. It's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> and then, yeah, and oh, then the, they, they, they run out again. Oh, they, yeah, they concluded. They said, overall, we didn't find anything of interest, but it was good. It was a good attempt. So there you go. 
<laughs> yeah, it was a good attempt. <laughs> I just think of the space balls. We didn't find shit. <laughs> why did they? Why did they? Try, why did they try to find like? Why would they try to find it in this this random area? Then this like parking lot near a lake. Right? Um, Doug Hijack really likes new camera filming technologies. Mm. He he thinks that the mainstream doesn't try that kind of stuff because he's had success with some of his like camera like implementation strategies. Like, um, so he likes doing that kind of stuff. Mm. Okay, I think that's I think that's what it is. Okay. I think it's that simple. It's like uh, tech porn. It's like, oh. Yeah, he just likes that kind of stuff. It's fun to him. And, you know, he can, can find some stuff. You can get some footage or something. Yeah, and, and I was I thinking back, like, drones, like, uh, choppers, like, this was cutting edge. Like, we take it for granted now yeah. on this, where everybody can afford a drone. Well, and these shows were really, like, excited about drones back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I, do, you, do you ever watch it on YouTube, uh, Ralph the Movie Maker? Oh, yeah, yeah, I love Ralph the Movie Maker. Yeah, that guy's great. He has the one or the, the Charles Steiner's Mystery Diner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah, the drone. And they, like, <laughs> they get a drone. They're like, oh, we got a drone now, and we're going to film people, like, not manage their restaurants well with a drone. <laughs> <laughs> like, it crashes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shout out to Ralph the Movie Maker. I, I, just, I, I just checked, and he follows me. That's awesome. Oh, good, good for, for him. Free the explainer. That's great. Right wow. There. Wow. So am I, buddy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, is, is he, so yeah, that's, uh, that's Grassman. Yeah. Not much to report on with them. It's, um, no. It was more uh, of a case study on a person, I guess, for the most part. Alleged case study, yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what we try to talk about. It's not just about how. There isn't a grass man, you know. There, yeah, it, it, you get you get this a lot, I guess, in the Bigfoot cryptid community, where cryptid believers they don't just believe in one cryptid; um, they believe in a lot. Because I think this guy also believes in Mothman and Dogman and UFOs. So, well, I said he, him and Dogman got a thing going. Yeah, on. he's he's like got a, a passion. That's his passion right there, is Dogman. Um, which is weird because I feel like Dogman is like more ridiculous than Bigfoot. Oh yeah, Dogman's insane, dude. Right, where it's like <laughs> dog, upright walking canine. Just doesn't make sense. Okay, so IMDb gives this one a six point eight out of ten. Okay, six point eight out of ten. So that's like what average. is what it? Yeah, the most common seven is the most common for this show. Oh, okay. So six point eight is about a seven. So, hmm. how about you, buddy? Um, I would give it a. I don't know. I'd give it a four. <laughs> yeah, like a 4.5 to a five because it's kind of average. Yeah, it was average. You know? There was like like that. At least there was stuff to talk about. Like they had evidence or quote unquote evidence um, to yeah. look at because there's there's too many ones where they just have nothing to work with. And it's just them messing around in the woods for a while. Um, it's basically another Bigfoot episode. Yeah. Um, but I don't know the the grass hut looks kind of cool. I guess it's a big grass right. hut. The grass hood the grass hood is unique to this. Where like I've never heard that for Bigfoot before. Um, it's something to talk about. Yeah, because because that's weird. Because it's interesting where it's like oh Bigfoot's building like Paleolithic hunts uh, like uh, huts to live in. Like that's crazy. But you'd think that like there would be hundreds of these across the United States. Yeah, you would find those right. <laughs> Right. So like uh if there's like Bigfoot artificial structures, um that'd be interesting, I guess. Like if that's if that were true, but it would be harder, again, harder to conceal. Um because there's people that believe Bigfoot makes tools, like makes uh um uh spears or clubs and stuff. Uh 
which is interesting, I guess, but I don't, I don't, there's no evidence for it. And I think it makes it harder for, uh, for its plausibility to exist. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's that. Let's look at a few, a few of the comments here. We got, <laughs> I'm looking in here too. Um, I think people, a lot of people are complaining about what we claim complain about where it's like, they never find anything. They're always questioning, but, but doing little finding. Let's see. We got from Cincinnati. Definitely something strange out in the woods area around here. I swear I see like something or someone like invisible and made it look like heat waves crept out from under my deck. What? I watched it move slowly towards the tree line on Taylor Creek. Seen it a couple more times outside. What? So he's like, he saw a predator? Yeah, this is nine months ago from Master is his name. Master. And it's a, and it's something invisible. It looks like heat waves. That's kind of cool. It's a cool cryptid right there. Master's heat wave critter. Invisible cryptid. Yeah. Coin that phrase. <laughs> you know, well, they got those at Skinwalker Ranch, man. Oh, the invisible. So that's when we get kind of weird where there's like, so like there's like a sweet spot that cryptids need to hit where either they're like plausible enough for you to believe them or just completely nutty. Where like, you're like, okay, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of like, uh, oh, there's like some really weird ones from like the eighties. Um, Oh, there's this Russian one. Rush, there's these Russian uh, cyclops creatures or whatever. Hell yeah! That that, that came down in a UFO and, and attacked these these kids. Um, cool. They're like aliens. Uh, let's see, cyclops, uh, aliens. Let's see, or they're the three eyes. Oh yeah, yeah. So they have three eyes. The opposite. Well, of see, the, I don't know who to believe now. Opposite of one the eye, three eye. They like went. They went into like a soccer game with like kids, and then it show, descended down from the sky. And then just uh, and then just like with a flashlight and shined it on the kids, messed with them <laughs> in the playground. Yeah, these weird. <laughs> awesome. and, oh yeah, yeah. There was variations. So there was these giant like three eyed so, like uh, monster like uh, giant aliens. And then they also and part of their same craft were like it was a little like it looks like a gonk droid. Yeah. And then like a C three three PO looking guy too. Protocol droid. A little protocol droid. And these these four kids saw. This uh, this little little uh, cohort of of alien creatures. Did Darth Vader build that protocol droid? <laughs> yeah, as a child, <laughs> it's on the wall. You know, like how they have the the wiffle ball um, yeah. thing. <laughs> One more comment. One more comment. Okay, uh, so David Vincent says, "This is from 2008, back when History Channel had documentaries instead of all these garbage reality shows." Reality shows are cheaper to produce. Just look at the closing credits on the show to see how much research went into all this. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. This would, uh, uh, what is this? Oh, History Channel? History Channel yeah. has definitely peaked it's, uh, at, at Monster Quest in that sort of era. It, it's, Don't get better than this, boys. It's kind of crap. It's like, um, what, it's like, pawn, like, is Pawn Stars on History Channel? Or what? what is it? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes. yeah. Like, um, just reality TV shows and the ancient aliens where like, it's like they've made years worth of, of episodes of uh, like days, entire days worth. Like I think I calculated, you could watch ancient aliens back to back every single episode for like literally like five days straight. <laughs> yeah. But your, your brain would get so big. You'd explode. <laughs> or it would shrink. It would, did I, I had to watch an ancient aliens episode for our, something for like maybe a video i worked on and it's like they literally it's like a science to how they formulate those episodes for your lizard man video for the lizard man video where like it is 
it starts out not too ridiculous and then and then like they wear you down and like by the end of it you're they'll like be like there was a norse a nordic alien reptilian and gray alien war that happened 10,050 years ago and <laughs> there was a giant war and the reptilians were driven underground and <laughs> they like it's like insane and like by the end of it like it doesn't phase you anymore and that's like yeah you're like okay yeah that's like right. every episode of ancient aliens it's like it starts off not too bad and then they're like queen elizabeth was a reptilian <laughs> every chinese emperor was a reptilian and you're just like oh oh, oh my brain <laughs> And in Monster Quest, Monster Quest is not that bad. Monster Quest is pretty good. It's it's not great. They but they get skeptics on it and they do some actual research sometimes. It's much better to watch it with Plastic Pleases or Podcasts as well. I think so as well. It, it's it's no. I think it's bad to watch Monster Quest from an, an entirely uh like a believer side. Because like then you're gonna believe it, the stuff. Like then you're not gonna question anything critically, which I think that's important. Yeah, and like some of these people, they they make them seem like, oh, this guy found this skull. Wow, that's weird. You know, but it's not a guy found a skull. It's Bigfoot guy looking to prove there's Bigfoot found a skull and said it's Bigfoot. Right. You know. Yeah. So you got to tell the whole thing, <laughs> which they don't like to do. Right. Yeah. That's the that's the thing with cryptozoology a lot is that there's a lot of omission of context with things, and the the less context you provide, the more believable it is. The more context you provide, the the more like the more you're like, okay, this is this is this is this is questionable because like you're right. Most of the time, the people that are finding footprints um, have a history of doing it, and or they've been proven to be uh, hoaxers in the past. And you're like, oh, if they hoaxed it once, what's stopping them from hoaxing it again? Like, why should we believe them? Um, yeah. Because I know that Jeff had a – we had a conversation with Jeff about that where, like, he accepts footprints found from known hoaxers as being legitimate. Yep. Which I have a problem with that. That's like that's – like, should, oh, yeah. Shouldn't you, shouldn't you go maybe maybe my power – maybe my, like, expertise is, is failing because this guy is a known hoaxer. So what's – why should I believe that this like he hoaxed one but kept the other one legitimate? Yeah, I don't know, buddy. Yeah, I've been down that road. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't know the answers. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy. It's um, sure is something. It is, it, it is interesting. Like it's, I think a lot of times our episodes they turn into like discussions of the community more than like the yeah. cryptid itself. Because like it's it should be a case study of like the people that believe it and that research it. Because it doesn't exist in a vacuum. No, it's a cultural phenomenon. And I I find that really interesting. And I find the monsters fun. So together, that makes it worth talking about. Yeah. Yeah, All right. So we finished up Ohio Grass Man. And, uh, you know, he's been mowed down. (laughs) He he was just destroyed by by us. He's he's in the clippings bag at the the curb being picked up. Yeah. Get mulched. <laughs> um, coming up next, we got giant killer snakes. That, I feel like that one might be actually pretty interesting. Head into the wilds of Venezuela and the Florida Everglades with Monster Quest. They search for huge man-eating snakes. Okay. I like that. They don't eat women, though. So here, okay, ladies. <laughs> this one might actually be interesting because there's a lot of discussions on um, like the, the biggest snakes can get. 
and stuff. Like, what is mm-hmm. the largest anaconda and stuff? Which we there are some about. big ass snakes. Right, right. It's like it's one of those things that's not super ridiculous. Like, there are huge. Maybe we could have a snake expert on. Let me see if we can find one. Yeah, let's try to find a snake expert. People like that tweet. Let us know. We could actually get like a person who has expertise in the topic to come on. Snake experts and, uh, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we, we we could talk about uh like the, the optimal size of snakes, maybe some historic snakes which are dead that used to be super big and like um you know they can give some context to this episode. So I I just found a guy. I found a guy. I looked up snake experts on Twitter and I found a guy. So yeah, so so slither on down to the next episode of the Plastic Pleases the podcast. Um. <laughs> So, if you are a fan of the show, yes, and you want to get some little extra content, you could definitely go to our Patreon, mm. and you could become a backer at a thylacine level for three dollars. Or what's our favorite fish, Trey? Uh, I thought the celiacanth was our hate, most hated fish. Well, that's it's a love hate thing. <laughs> okay, celiacanth. Yeah, or there's a celiacanth level. You can just back us for three or five bucks. It helps cover our costs because we have to actually pay to record and host this show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, help give us a little money so we can, like, buy books for research yeah. and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so you can check it out. There's some exclusive content there, as well as you can send us in questions, which we will answer on the show. Yeah. So, you know, you do that if you want to do that. But uh, I'm going to be gone, Trey, for next week. I'm uh, going to Vegas. Oh, nice, nice. I I don't drink and I don't gamble. <laughs> but uh, my buddy's getting married in Vegas, so I'm going to Vegas. That's awesome. Are there any yep. like uh, Nevada cryptids out there? Let's see. Nevada. Okay, yeah. So, so send us in your Nevada cryptids, <laughs> and uh, I will solve the case. I'll get on them, and I'll find them. Um, there used to be a giant Star Trek thing in Vegas, man. Really? Yeah, you look it up on YouTube, dude. Like it was called the Star Trek Experience. It was so cool, and now because nothing good exists, it's gone. So, oh, oh. have you been watching Picard at all? Like. Uh... no but yeah so uh i'll try to get this done before i go i have one day to do it um so this will either be up next wednesday or it won't i'll try i'll try my very best everybody i also have to get my script in for my next comic because i'm trying to get it debuted at san diego comic-con should be a big deal for me so yeah i gotta try to do both things here you focus on the comic first. That's the priority. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> but people are really nice to listen to this podcast. I really appreciate it. And I want to give them content. And they need to know about the grass man, Trey. Like, yeah. Do you want, would you want me to edit this one? Yeah, you can edit it. I'll, I'll get you. Yeah, you edit it. I can do it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, brought to you by Trey. I will edit man. this time. Yeah. Why not? Okay. All right. Let's see how you do with putting in your little clips. I will I will try my best to make like a little little jokes in it. <laughs> okay. It's all up to you. I, I believe in you, Trey. <laughs> Anyways, thanks everybody for listening. This has been another episode of the Plastic Pleasy Sora podcast. We'll be back with snakes and other weird stories. Thanks for hearing about our ships and grassmen. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, bye bye. <laughs>